I want you to have joy abounding. Joy abounding. It just keeps coming out of you. Because of who Jesus is, joy is a human response to the finished work of Jesus. Why? Because God's love is so powerful. God's redemption is so amazing. The fact that Jesus Christ would come on a rescue mission for me is so absolutely mind-blowing that the only proper human response is joy. God's love is so powerful, His redemption so amazing that He sent Jesus Christ on a rescue mission for you. Why does a rescue in a movie speak so deeply to our hearts? Why, when the heroes finally break through enemy lines and liberate a town full of people, do you want to rejoice? It's because art imitates life. and The greatest story ever told was the one about Jesus Christ coming to our rescue. We have the greatest reason to rejoice. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, as he continues his message, Can't Stop, Won't Stop. We don't get saved by works. We get saved under works. And so when we start using Jesus' name as a way to wiggle out of the hard things in our life, if we're going to use our faith in Jesus and God's grace to be a jerk, then that's not a good thing. That betrays who Jesus is. And it's a terrible witness. To say you're in Christ and not a nice person. To say that you're in Christ and you're willing to walk outside of things you know Jesus speaks on. That gives you his glory. That's a problem. So are you in Christ today? Now, anytime I hear something like that, in my heart I start repenting. I start turning back to God. Because I've been walking with Jesus long enough to know that there's not a day that goes by that I don't need to repent. There's not a day that goes by that I don't need to acknowledge something that I've been failing at. Something that I've not been tending to. Something that I've allowed to fester. Or some actions that I find myself involved in that brought under the authority of Jesus all of a sudden and I get convicted. Which proves that you're God's kid. And I pray that that was you. That when I said that, you didn't say, of course I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian. I've been at Crossroads for 36 years. You know? But you said, no, 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 no. Is it I, Lord? Right, don't you love that when the disciples, Jesus said, one of you will betray me. It was only in the heart of one guy, Judas. They all said, is it I, Lord? Judas was the only guy who had some schemes against Jesus, but all of them were like, Lord, is it me? Am I the one? Is it I, Lord? And that's a teachable spirit, isn't it? They all say, Lord, is it me? Be it, my friends. And if you're not in Christ, then turn back to him right now. He's been waiting for you to do it anyway. He knows you're not abiding in him right now. You're abiding in your own stuff. He's been waiting for you. So just turn back to him. Just turn back to him. Now, first, this is God's will in Christ for you. That's the first thing. Now, second thing, I want you to notice in verse 15, or verse 16, verse 17 or 18, you have a similar theme. Look what it says. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. Notice the always, without ceasing, and in everything. This speaks of the fact that each one of us is called to do these things all the time. Always. Without ceasing means what? Always. And everything implies what? Always. And always literally means what? 
Always. You guys are so deep. Praise God. It's like, you get it. It's like, the Bible is that simple. Always mean in all ways. Right? So you got to love how universal this is now. These three things to do, this God's will, this is not something you do every once in a while. This is in all ways. In every single way, at every single time, without ceasing and in everything. This is what we got here. Now notice the first one. Rejoice always. Now I wanted to make that the point, but our communications team wouldn't let me. I just knew they wouldn't. So for rejoice always, I want you to do this. I want you to have joy abounding. Joy abounding. It just keeps coming out of you. Because of who Jesus is, joy is a human response to the finished work of Jesus. Why? Because God's love is so powerful. God's redemption is so amazing. The fact that Jesus Christ would come on a rescue mission for me is so absolutely mind-blowing that the only proper human response is joy. I'll never forget this, but I was at the Portland Golden State game in the middle of the season. And we're at that game, and that was the game when Damian Lindler dropped 51 points. And Steph Curry didn't even get off the bench in the fourth quarter because their trailblazers were blowing him out. That game was so crazy at the Moda Center that literally the guy who takes the half-court shot for the free Toyota, he got nothing but net too. It was like one of those days, right? And I looked at Ryan because that was my first Blazer game that I had gone to. And he's, I'm like, is it always like this? He's like, no, no, it's never like this, you know? And then he said, you can come with me to the games anytime you want, you know? And I was like, right on, you know? But it's like the amount of joy in response to a game, the amount of joy that we get in response to all these things. See, see, oftentimes joy, it's a response to something that we're experiencing. And I'm here to tell you that if you understand who you are in Christ and what Jesus has done for you, then joy is going to come. Because that's the only proper response to so great a salvation. And I think the reason some of us, if you're here right now and you don't really feel like you have joy, it's because you're neglecting meditating on so great a salvation. You're allowing your heart to meditate on all the cares of the world, and they're real. And all the struggles of life, and those things are real too. But when you bring it back down and you get your eyes focused on the finished work and who Jesus is and what he has done for you and what he is doing in the world right now, joy is going to well up and overflow in your heart. It's going to abound out of your life. But do you have joy today? I feel like every day I'm like, Lord, you need to like kind of get me blinders and stick my eyes on Jesus. Because left up to my own devices, I'm going to freak out about a million real things that go on every single day. Concerns about yesterday, concerns about tomorrow, family struggle. I mean, all that stuff is really real. Health concerns, all these things, extended family concerns. And, you know, some of you, you know, get stressed out about trying to plan a vacation or whatever. It's just the world is full of stress and we need to get our hearts focused on Jesus. And when your heart is focused on who the Lord is and what he has done, then joy. It's a fruit of the Spirit. But all the fruit of the Spirit is us responding to the Spirit and saying yes. You realize that, right? The fruit of the Spirit in your life comes from us responding to the prompts of the Spirit with an affirmative, with a yes, Lord. It's not like you believe in Jesus and the Spirit of God dwells in you, but love isn't blossoming in your heart because the Spirit isn't love. It's because we don't respond with, all right, Lord, let's do this. And I think some of us are so used to being stressed that we're scared of abounding joy. 
which is the greatest tragedy, isn't it? You were created for God's joy, which is your strength to flow through your life. And it will flow through different. It doesn't mean you've got to be like happy, happy, joy, joy, big smiley teeth, face, you know? But joy should be a characteristic of who we are. I mean, the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4.4 4, to the church of Philippi said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say what? Rejoice. Yeah, it's good. Are you rejoicing? Now, don't miss this. In the early church, their joy came in the midst of the most averse circumstances you could ever imagine. That's what makes their joy unique. That in the midst, I mean, they were persecuted by Jewish leaders and they were persecuted by Roman leaders. And literally for the first 300 years of Christianity, Christianity was systematically and brutally oppressed, right? Like long before it became the religion of the Roman Empire, it was the object of that same empire's anger. And what makes the unique quality of a believer's joy is that it can blossom in the midst of adversity. See, we have a tendency to think, when things are good, I'll be happy, and when things aren't good, I'm going to be miserable, and it's my God-given right to be miserable. And I would say, contraire, mon frere. Because God's joy blossoms in the most averse of circumstances. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount literally said, blessed are you when they persecute you and when they revive. Blessed are you, he said. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, he said, for great is your reward in heaven. We never would think that way because we don't think with the mind of Christ. I'm here to tell you, my friends, Jesus' work at the cross is finished. And no matter what mess is going on, there is joy in his presence. Don't get me wrong, I get that it's hard to find it sometimes. I get that it's hard to uncover it, but if we were to say, Lord, I know that there is joy in your presence because the work is finished, will you cultivate joy in me? I believe the Lord will do an amazing work in you today. An amazing work in you today. So we want this joy abounding. We want to rejoice always. Now look at the next one, verse 17. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. I'm going to call this always connected. Because prayer is the word that we use for the conversation that God has initiated with us in Christ. And you know that when you're conversing with someone, there's a connection there, right? See, prayer is the umbilical cord that we get to have in our relationship with God. And when it says pray without ceasing, the idea of this, it's this continual prayer. It's this ongoing reminder that God's children are always and wholly dependent upon him. I just had this, it was just so beautiful. So our little Annabelle's been sick. I don't know if you guys got sick kids. We definitely got sick Fusco's at my house, right? And little Annabelle, she's been mushy. That's what we call them when she's sick. She's a little mushy. You know what I mean? She just sits on your lap. She's not, she's not crazy, which is a beautiful thing, but she's sick, so you feel bad, you know? But then she started to feel better, and guess what? Annabelle, just, she'll, she'll talk your ear off. Now, you have no clue what she's saying because she's not there yet. Like, she's not enunciating words. But we get some stuff, you know, but she'll talk your ear off. And as a parent, I just love that. And I just take videos of it. I'm going to show it on their wedding day anyway for fun, but that's just me, you know? It's like I got all the dirt. I got catalogs of dirt for my kids. It's so fun, you know? But I love it when my kids talk to me. I think it's the coolest thing. And Annabelle with her little jabber, or blah, you know, I don't even have a clue what she's saying, but she's cute, you know, and it's great. And that's what God wants for us. God wants us to be in continual conversation with him. Now, 
I think that this is super important. Because continual prayer is not the same thing as always being in a perpetual quiet time. You know what I mean? Like, there's something to be said for your prayer closet. And I would never, Jesus said we should go in our prayer closet. So brothers and sisters, we need to go in our prayer closets. We need to seek the Lord. But having a heart that is in continual communion with God. Like, you know when someone's walking in the spirit because you'll be talking to them and all of a sudden they'll be praying and then you will be talking to them again and they'll be praying and you'll be praying, right? It's like, it's not like, okay, we're gonna stop and pray now. It's like all of a sudden prayer just starts. Because even when you're having a conversation with someone, you could be saying, oh Lord, you are good and I praise you, Lord. You have a plan in this in this conversation, is there something that you want to do right here, right now? Lord, is there something you want to reveal to me that I can speak a word to this person? But for many of us, we divorce Jesus from the conversations that we're having, the circumstance that we're having. See, prayer becomes, it's a wartime walkie-talkie. We get marching orders from the captain of the army. But you know what I think? I think a lot of us aren't spending any time in prayer. Not in the prayer closet, and not when we're walking around either. Listen, you want to be better on your job? Have a heart disposition of prayer. When you're there, when you're in the car, turn off the political talk radio. It's only aggravating you anyway. It's not causing rejoicing. I'm telling you. I've been listening in, man. I know what's going on. It's like it says in Philippians 4, 8, whatever things are, are praiseworthy, politics in America is not praiseworthy, my friends. Please vote. I'm not knocking voting. I always tell you, search your Bibles, vote based on your own conscience and, and the heart of the Lord. But that stuff's robbing your joy and you know it is, isn't it? Can we just be honest? That stuff is a joy killer. You know why? Because it's not centered on Jesus. It's not centered on Jesus. And the only way all these people make money is to be more upset and aggressive. That's how they make money. The more absurd it is, the more people click on it. It's called clickbait on the internet. But instead of doing that, just shut the radio off and say, oh Lord, you're here with me right now. I want to walk in with you today. Lord, all the people I just met, all these people who are driving by me, Lord, will you bless them? Will you bless their families? Lord, what are you doing in me? Lord, what do you want to do for my husband and my spouse? What are you doing in the life of my kids? Lord, what ministry do you have for me? Lord, you want to tell me something, Lord? Because, you know, sometimes we forget that God wants to say some stuff too, you know. But we want to walk through life with this connection that always is happening. And it's something that I believe we need to cultivate intentionally on our end. Because you know what the beauty is? God is always there to talk with us. God is always with us. It's never like, yeah, you have to wake God up to get him to hear your prayers. He's always there. Whenever we turn our hearts to God, is he ever not there? He's always there. So with the knobs on our side of the wall, we want to cultivate this lifestyle of conversation with God, sometimes verbally with our mouths, sometimes just as our heart is praising him. The song that is behind all the conversations that you're having. Oh, my friends, this is what God wants for us. This is God's will, that we would always be connected to his heart, that we would always know his mind, that we would never step out in the flesh, but that we would hear God's still small voice saying, oh, no, 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 breathe, don't, don't do it, don't do it. In the armor of God in Ephesians chapter six, listen to verse 18, the apostle Paul says this, praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Wow. Do you he says that he wants us to be praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit? 
being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. That means that God wants us to be praying for the, I don't know, how many Christians are there on the earth today? A couple billion? That'll keep you busy, right? But that's who we're supposed to be. How's your prayer life, my friends? Are you breaking away into the prayer closet? Are you allowing the Spirit of God to cultivate a continual, like your heartbeat, right? It beats in rhythm and it beats consistently. Are you allowing God to cultivate that in your heart? See, people always say, I don't believe that Jesus is real. And I always say, well, listen, you'll find out if you could slow your heart down enough. If you can shut the mind off enough, all the chatter, if you can shut down all the distractions and allow, allow yourself to realize that just as the beating of your heart that happens consistently and continually, God is there to be related to. He wants to speak to you. He wants to hear your fears, your concerns. He wants your intercession and your supplication. This is where the spirit-filled life is cultivated, my friends. It's a huge field note. It's huge. But if we get it, God will do something amazing. This reminds me, remember the story of Nehemiah? Remember Nehemiah, he was the cupbearer for the king. Now, the cupbearer for the king sounds like a, a pretty great job, but as, if you think about it, it's actually a really lousy job. You know why? Because people are always trying to kill the king. And one of the ways you kill the king is you have poison in his wine. So the cupbearer, guess what he got to do? He got to be the taste tester. Lousy job. It's like, you didn't apply for that job. They just picked you for it. You had to do it. You know what I mean? And the problem also, not only could you get killed as the cupbearer because if someone's trying to kill the king, they're going to kill you first and they're going to know that the king shouldn't drink that. But the other side of it is, is that the king, especially in those days, the kings were kind of insane. Well, kind of like our day too. Anyway, the kings were kind of nuts. And so if the king was having a bad day, he'd just kill everybody. And he'd be like, I can't believe it's like that. But listen, you read history. That's the way it was. And there's people, there's kings on the earth today that are like that. They just, they have a bed, they wake up with like a little case of agita and before you know it, there's a nuclear war going on or something. You know what I mean? Because these people are all over the place. And so Nehemiah, it says that he heard about what was going on when the exiles came back after the Babylonian exile, right? After the Medo-Persians conquered the Babylonians. He heard about that the people were going back, but they were suffering. There was no temple and, and the city was in disrepair. And he was so grieved that he went before the king and he wasn't able to compose himself. And the king looked at him and said, what's wrong, Nehemiah? And Nehemiah got terrified because you're not supposed to be grumpy in the presence of the king. You're supposed to smile, only speak when you're spoken to and make no waves. And it says that Nehemiah said, I prayed and then I spoke to the king. Did you ever think about that? It wasn't like, can you imagine if Nehemiah was like, no, King, can you hold on a second? I go talk to the Lord right now. I need a quiet time. It's like, you don't do that. So he literally just shot up like a, an instantaneous prayer and spoke to the king and told the king what was going on. And the king ended up becoming a great ambassador for the children of Israel to go back to the land and, and rebuild everything. But because Nehemiah was instant in prayer, he did what he would never have done left up to his own devices, but God used it to bless the people of God. So my friends... Let's be always connected. Let's always be connected to the Lord. Let's even right now, just in the quietness of your heart, just say, cultivate an ever-present relationship with God. Be instant in prayer. Be instant in prayer. Let this connection happen all the time. So we see joy abounding. We see always connected. And then look at verse 18. In everything, give thanks. I'm going to call this cultivating thankfulness. 
cultivating thankfulness. In everything, give thanks. Now, I need to make an important nuance here. It does not say, for everything, give thanks. Because that would be inhuman. It is hard to give thanks for everything because some stuff that goes on is so heartbreaking, so atrocious that you can't give thanks for it. Some of you have experienced those type of tragedies. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit, is not asking you to say, God, thank you for that. Because certain things that we've experienced is so heartbreaking. It goes completely beyond God's intention of what he wanted for us. But it does say, in everything. You could say to the Lord, Lord, I can't believe that this is going on. But because this is going on, I trust you. I trust you, Lord. I trust that you're working. I trust that you have a plan. See, when you come to the place that you know that Jesus is real, that the reality of who Jesus is and what he's done is so strong in you, that no matter what happens, you begin to say, God, you know how to bring something beautiful out of something so horrific. Lord, only you can restore the years that the locusts have eaten. That's how the Bible speaks of it. When the locust eats a field, it's a complete famine. It crushes people's ability to be alive. And it says that God can restore the years that the locusts have eaten. God can do something beautiful. God can make the dry bones live. He can bring beauty out of a desert season. And when we come to that place where we allow God to cultivate thankfulness in the midst of these situations. This is God's will for us. It's a reminder, of course, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. For we know that all things work together for good, for those who love God, and for those who are called according to his purpose. And we know. That's a settled understanding. Not that we hope, not that if we're lucky, but we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So even though the situation is hard, God has a plan to work it together for your good. I know you think to yourself, that is impossible. And I would say, you're right. With men, it is impossible. But with God, what? All things are possible. And that is the place that you and I, God wants us to live Not being limited by human understanding, not being limited by what mankind thinks is possible, but stepping into the unlimited reality of who Jesus is and what he's done. That's God's will for us. Not that we give thanks for everything, but because stuff goes on, we say, Lord, only you know how to bring something beautiful out of this. And I believe there's many of you here right now, you can't even fathom how this thing could work together for your good. But I'm here to tell you, you just watch and see. What an incredibly powerful summary of the Christian life. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. Pastor Daniel showed us in today's message that we're called to do all of these things all the time in every situation, but he didn't say that any of it would be easy. In fact, the only way we can do any of this is through the power of Jesus and in response to his finished work on the cross. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize that there are many of you 
you're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share that God wants us to live beyond what feels comfortable for us. Our Bibles do not champion a safe life. They champion a spirit-filled life that is filled with uncommon and unique experiences. But the work of the Spirit can be a very divisive issue in the church today. Next time, Pastor Daniel will move you past the understanding of the Spirit you grew up with to a full biblical perspective. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Field Notes. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.